0: And welcome back to Just Upstage of Downtown, the Music Mountain Theater podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Lavery. MMT audiences know my guest on this episode from his star turn as Leo Bloom in the 2022 production of The Producers, but his history with MMT co-artistic directors Jordan Brennan and Louis Polina goes back much further than that. As he will tell you, Aiden Park had actually quit musical theater acting for nearly a decade until coming across the country from California last spring to spend a month and a half with the Music Mountain family, and as he'll also tell you... That experience somewhat led him to getting bitten by the bug again. But Aiden Park is far more multifaceted than MMT patrons may realize. They may be familiar with his two well-received comedy shows here each of the last two years that showed off unexpected stand-up talents of other MMTers, but he himself is an accomplished stand-up comedian and a best-selling author. His backstory? Even more interesting. We get into all of that, including Park's non-profit, the Yay Foundation, in this revealing talk that looks at the life of a lifelong performer and the paths sometimes best not taken. Welcome, Aiden Park, just upstage of downtown for a little while.
1: I don't know if you know this, but um, I was undocumented until I was 19. Oh. And I was uh, homeless, and I got HIV when I was 19. Oh, my gosh. So someone mentored me uh, when I was 19 years old, and they were like, hey, because I, I, w- I was like Edith Piaf. I was going to these cabarets. I was like singing. Yeah, yeah. And then um, after that, he said, I'll give you free voice lessons if you get empowerment training. Oh. So I started getting like, NLP landmark, like yeah. I was real, I was real into that, okay. which has pluses and minuses.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right, 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 right. You know, the, you know those. Uh, only by like, only by name reference. Yeah, like, it's I don't like, really know. Like, yeah. It's, like a, mm, yeah.
1: Okay, it's great, but mm. also not. Mm. Um, so uh, I did that, and then um, the guy was like, "Okay, well, you're gonna play Tui and Miss Saigon. That's how you're gonna make a career in your life." And so. I played Tui once in uh, in San Francisco, mm. and there was a notice for Bucks County Playhouse Tui. Okay. And I was in San Francisco, so I flew over to New York for the one audition. Oh, my gosh. And I audition and, and I prepped for this, like, so hard. Yeah. And I had two contrasting. I had the, uh, the I did She Loves Me, mm-hmm. and I did Tui's Death. Yeah. And... I, I worked it to death. I prepped for like three, four months for this. Yeah. And so by the time I went there, they, Lewis and Jordan saw me at the audition. Right. Uh, Lewis did. Lewis, Jordan was um, not a part of the creative team at the time. Okay. In so 2005. Mm. And Steve and Casey was there. and They were, and they actually, they were very nice. They said, Aiden, you, you gave the best audition mm. that maybe I've ever seen. And so, but, but they prepped me. He was like, yeah. this is all you're going to focus on. Yeah. That's why. Mm-hmm. So I went there. And then... At the time, I was homeless. <laughs> I was like, um, okay. And then so I got a phone call at my grandma's house in her message machine from, I did not think I got it. I mm. flew to New York yeah. for one audition. Yeah. And then they were like, we want to offer you the role of Tui for $275 a week
0: mm. plus housing at New Hope. And the the bigger thing for you at that point was the housing. I was like, great, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I have a housing. Yeah, was like, yay! Yeah, and also, you know, I worked hard, so like, I was of like, of course, I was like, yay! So
1: I, I had a little car, yeah, and I drove it over. First of all, I didn't want to be stranded, and yeah. secondly, I don't think I had a place to put the car. <laughs> so I drove it over. That's how I started. I was at Bucks <sighs> County, and they cast two seasons. Yeah. So, so there was, at the time, there was Pocono Playhouse and Bucks County Playhouse. Yeah. And the Pocono Playhouse, um, it, so they had two companies going at the same time. Yeah. One company was all white people, all white people. And this was back when, I think you could do that, It's 2005. Right. You're in town, guys and dolls, not an ethnic person in that company right. at all. The other company was the ethnic shows. Mm-hmm. Which was misguided because they put Aida, Ragtime, Hot Mikado, right. or Miss Saigon on mm. the same track. Yeah. So they cast me for Miss Saigon, but they wanted me to stay for the season. Sure. But the season was uh, all these, you know. Right. Where do I go? And so, you know, for Ragtime, they disguised me as a Hasidic Jew. Mm. They put a hat on me with Hasidic Jewish curls taped on the inside. Oh. And at the time, Lewis directed Aida, but like he was not in the creative team. Yeah. The ragtime director Mm. gave a false resume to Bucks County, Mm -hmm. later it turned out. He was a costumer for the national tour, but he actually said he was a director. Luckily, we had a really talented cast Um, with James Jackson Jr. He was in it, Mm, Um, mm. and he's on Broadway, Mm. Um, and uh, uh, Ruthie Ann Miles was Mm. our um, Gigi. Okay. Um. Yeah. Uh, for Miss Saigon. Sure. And so she was. She was twenty three. Wow. Uh, I was twenty. I was mm. nineteen. I was nineteen. <sighs> our Kim was twenty. Uh, Katrina, and yeah, mm. we were like wow. young. Yeah. We were like um, Emma and and Kira's age. Yeah. Living in this house and it. Our house was crazy. Mm. This was before like anti bullying. Sure. Right. So it was before anything. Right. So right. people were allowed to be horrible, mm-hmm. I guess. Mm-hmm. And I, I stayed out of it. I was like, okay, well, we'll I, yep. I kind of did my own mm-hmm. thing. I was so happy to have a car. because yeah. <laughs> I just get in my car and I drive. Because last time I came to Music Mountain, I came with my car. Yeah. Because I really like getting in my car and just going away and doing yeah. my own thing. And mm-hmm. I don't need to answer to anyone. Yep. So hap- I was the only one with a car. Right. Really. Me and Leslie Donald, who passed away, he got cancer, but mm. um it was it was me and him, and we j- i just I would just disappear yeah when we went to Pocono playhouse we well we had the same we had this house, there was no a c there was like fourteen of us living in the same
0: building <laughs> it was it was it was pretty bad but it's okay <laughs> yeah, great,
1: but, it, but it, we had fun,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. So tell me about another story that that you were mentioning going to do Miss Saigon in China. You said yeah, right? yeah. yeah. Um, so how how did that? How are you approached for that? Okay,
1: so I did um, a production of Miss Saigon for. Do you know Kathy Rigby? Yeah. Okay, yeah. so she played Peter Pan in the Yeah. Big. So I auditioned for Miss Saigon and I was cast in her theater company's production. Um, her and Tom McCoy okay. uh, have a theater company. At, it's, they, it's La Mirada Theater, but it's McCoy Rigby Productions. Okay. So I played Tui for them, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then after I did that, they were they got a contract in China to do Miss Saigon. Mm. So we all went to Macau uh, to do Miss Saigon there. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it was funny because they... It was funny because their perspective was different. Yeah. Like in the U.S., in a big billboard, yeah, they usually feature Kim holding her baby yes. with, like, you know, the white guy, you know. Mm-hmm. In Macau, they had a huge billboard of me. And I'm like, because the in not written to be a great character. No, right. It was me reaching out to her. Yeah. Like... I love you. Like, that was the big marketing poster. And I was like, that's interesting. It was all over Macau. I was all over Macau. It's like, wow. Yeah.
0: yeah. It's, it's It makes me think of, and it's said in a directorial sense in theater, but it gets overused so much that I laugh whenever I, I think about it. It's that whole theory of make a strong choice, right? <laughs> I
1: mean, so I, I was happy, but they were like, yeah. they thought that that's what would sell the show. Yeah. I, I think there was anti-American sentiment maybe. I don't know.
0: Okay, yeah. yeah. So whatever. Yeah.
1: So we were at this, like, beautiful hotel. They had us at yeah. a beautiful hotel in Macau. Mm. Um, so nice. It was yeah. so nice. And, of course, I, I was a weirdo, and I wa- wandered off by myself in Macau, and just... I was like, I want to know how the real people live. That's what I'm interested <laughs> in. So I just <laughs> yeah. walked around neighborhoods I'm not supposed to go by myself. <laughs> but it was great. It was great. Except in in China, they don't have safety procedures, so... Backstage was completely black, no strips, mm. Mm. no lights, no anything. Wow! So when we would walk backstage, we would have to literally like there, there was no there was no safety anything. Yeah, yeah. So that's what I remember about China.
0: Oh gosh! No. Talk about your experience coming back last year to do producers. Leo is not specifically ethnically written any way, but uh, in contrast to all the times that you've done Miss Saigon or been kind of put into, uh, you were talking about, you know, ragtime and the, you know, the costume and the Hasidic Jew, uh, hat and things like that, you know, talk about maybe the, where representation in theater is going now, where, um, you know, we're, we're broadening our, our sense of who can play what. Oh yeah. yeah. I think, I mean, I gave up theater. Mm-hmm. in 202014
1: actually mm-hmm. um the last production that i did was um so i would get okay so i'm i'm um i'm not a great ensemble actor because mm-hmm. i don't have the dance training yeah i can do regional i can do like um, low regional theater ensemble acting mm-hmm. but I'm not really great for that either because I'm, I'm so tall and I stand out so much mm-hmm. and it's just, yeah. I don't blend easy mm-hmm. so people have a hard time placing me sure. so I have to be a principal generally yeah. right. and the only way I would play principal characters is through Miss Saigon right. or if in like um the lower tier regional theaters like yeah. um so like Berkeley Playhouse the mm-hmm. last so I would get like one or two jobs a year I did You're yeah. in Town I was Bobby Strong on You're in Town yeah. In like, jobs that would, and it was a West Coast thing. East Coast doesn't, didn't really do that at the time. Like, this is 2008, 2009. So the last production that I did was, um, and I was looking at this as a career.
0: Yeah.
1: The last production I did was a Music Man. I was Harold Hill. Mm -hmm. And I saw my paycheck and uh, it was like $200 a week after taxes or something. Mm. And that was equity. And I was like, oh my God, no, I can't, I can't afford, no way, I can't, I can't afford to do this. And I don't see myself getting on Broadway because Mm -hmm. I'm not going to be cast as principal, I don't think. And I'm not going to be cast as ensemble, I don't have to dance. Mm -hmm. So the way to make a living in theater, I don't know if it's still true today, but it feels like it's very, Mm -hmm. um, you get on Broadway and and even then it's rough. Yeah. You know, you make two grand a week and then what do you do, you know? So, mm. and cause I know girls who did like national tours of Miss Saigon who were my friends who ended up, you know, yeah. so I was like, okay, forget it. Mm-hmm. And so I left. I was yeah. like, forget it. Right. I'll do film TV c- comedy.
0: Yeah.
1: Well, things are changing, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I think it gave me a real different perspective mm-hmm. because I, I, I closed that door. I shut it. Right. I was like, I was like, I wasn't giving it a chance. Yeah. But I thought it was a one-off thing. Right. Yeah. I was like, okay. And then so on my drive back, I really loved the, I really loved musical yeah. theater experience. I really lo- and, I, and I hadn't done it in like, what, eight years? It was so fun. Yeah. Was so fun. And then I was driving back and I was like, I want to do another musical. <laughs> and I, they were doing a parody musical of mm. Doctor Strange. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I was going to do, going for the Asian role, the, yeah. um, the Wang, the side character. Yeah. And I got to the audition and I sang and they were like, we want you to read for Doctor Strange. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then they cast me as Doctor Strange. Yeah. And they cast another Asian actor as my sidekick. And I thought that was really interesting. Right. Because that yeah. would never... Yeah. Yeah. Um. So that I did that. And they were like, we want to do Matrix the musical. We want you to be Neo. <laughs> and I was like, okay. <laughs> yeah. And so things are actually... Well, things are changing. Mm. And I guess they're open to it much more now than they ever were. Yeah.
0: I mean, I I think about... You think about old Hollywood and old kind of concepts of um, entertainment. And you talked about, like, the Asian character who's the sidekick. I mean, that was, like, a very James Bond-type thing. But even going back to, like something like charlie chan where like there was this character who was supposed to be asian never played by an actual asian you know who was the the main character of this story but now you know we are like i said hopefully we are broadening our horizons into you know anyone of any race should be able to play a principal
1: Right. Yeah. I, I, I was very limited. Yeah. And I used to be upset about this because, look, like there's a, there's a, you, you could get, okay, like, so in a traditional sense, yeah. you could get, if you do open casting, they're going to cast, like, Music Man Harold Hill as white. And then you could get a Marcellus, who's a sidekick, yeah. as Asian. Mm-hmm. You could, right. right? So, like, the sidekick characters, you could pull Asian. You can't be a leading man. Right at six foot two and with the way I'm built, yeah. I can't tower over the leading man, certainly, as a sidekick. Yeah. And so I was limited and I used to be upset because I was like, Asian guys are like smaller framed. Yeah. And so I was like, man, if I was framed like that, I would work all the time. Mm-hmm. But I wasn't. <laughs> I want to be framed like you. Absolutely. Because back in 2005,
0: 2006, that's who was getting jobs. Yes. Yes. And I was, so, I was like, damn it. like. Yeah. But it's true. And having had the The experience that I had as a child uh, you know kind of being on the audition circuit between basically the ages of I'll say 6 and 11 even when I did have jobs I I always give anyone who decides to pursue that as a career and like you said you were getting equity jobs but you just weren't sure if Broadway was going to be a reality but I give anybody who decides to stick it out like that so much credit, because as you and I know, you have no guarantee where your next job is going to come no. from or when. I mean, I have a friend who was on
1: Broadway. Yeah, dude, she was on Broadway with sister act. Yeah, for like how many months? Like for she she was on she was on from the beginning, mm-hmm. and she was like, "Hey, man, I was making twenty five hundred dollars a week, but I was pregnant, and I was living in a." Three-story walk-up. Yeah. So after everything was said and done, mm-hmm. I wasn't seeing much. Right. So how do you survive? Yeah. Now I made some money on tour, but how do you tour with a kid? Right. Um. And so she actually went to um. I, I'm, I'm still good friends with her. I actually did a, a show with her when I was 17 years old in San Francisco. Oh my gosh. Um. Uh, my first production out of high school, Hair, Hair, the 25th anniversary. Whatever, anyway, so <laughs> <laughs> that's a whole thing. But um, so she opened her own theater company yeah. um, at Sierra Mountain Musical Theater. It's rough. Yeah, it, it, it really it really is hard. But I know some people who are doing great. Yeah, like the guy who mentored me mm. and said, yeah. "I'm gonna take you in, and you're gonna train under me." Mm. In my same class with Beth Barris from the um, uh, Two Broke Girls. She was oh, a blonde yeah, chick. Oh, yes, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And then Matt Doyle, who just mm-hmm. won a, a Tony. Sure. So, and Bobby Conti, who was also in that production of Company, together. Yes. So, actually, I, I used to babysit him. <laughs> <kind of> <laughs> <laughs> They're all talented. I find that the people who pursue musicals mm. and make it to that extent... Tend to have not a worry of finances. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I understand what you're saying. Yeah. Like someone told me that they said, "Aiden, watch out because you pursuing this is gonna be hard because you have financial stress." Yeah, it's it's the same for comedy. If you don't have financial stress, if you actually have people pushing you, yeah, I mean, you can buy yourself into a. Uh, into a producer role yeah. and cast yourself in a movie. Mm, yeah. So that can happen. Yeah. I mean I'm kind of doing that actually. Yeah. Like so like what what dude, so now I'm not worried about money. Right? Right. Like I'm, right. I'm I'm okay. I'm not I'm not, I'm not like rolling into the dough. But, yeah, yeah. But it's like okay, I'm working with a production company. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to get a a a, a reality T V show going. Yeah. And I produced a sizzle reel for my reality TV show, which I'm working with a production. So like you yeah. know Things like that, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like if, we, if you have a little bit of money and if yeah. you ha- or, or work credit that people feel like they can trust you with money, yeah. you can kind of help yourself, right? Yeah. So
0: um, there's that. We were talking about the debacle that was that last weekend of the producers. And I said something that everybody kind of nodded in agreement with, which is, you know, if you are an artist in this business, it helps to kind of be observant and be willing to step in for something that is not on stage that is not a performance move scenery so that it's in the the correct place that it yeah. needs to go in the wings like do you know how to uh, work a spotlight right. do you know uh, this technical thing or, or that technical thing and you're talking about getting into the production end of things Ooh. is that kind of the key to a lot of it is that having performance talent is one thing, but if you can, if you have an eye or if you have a desire for something more administrative or behind the scenes, like, that'll help you not only understand the business, but that'll help you be more versatile and marketable. In my opinion, yeah, it
1: is, I, I think if you do not have financial backing yeah. and you do not have people behind you pushing you really hard, yeah. it is crucial. Yeah. You're not going to make it without that, mm. in my opinion. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. Because... All right. So like let's look at last year for example. Like mm. so like I came here to Music Mountain. There's no way I could have made that work without administration and like other things because sure. mm. the offer was come to do the show. Right. So okay. Because of my years of experience, right. I know how to run a class. So I was like I will finance this through running a class. Yes. Right? Yes. I know how to run a, a I know how to run and market a comedy show. Great. Let's add a comedy show to that. Awesome. Yes. Great. Um, how do? I, how can I make more work while I am here? Right. Um. So that we can
0: make this. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's uh, that shows a lot of ingenuity and entrepreneurialship on your part. Um. Simply because, and I think most of the people who listen uh, to these podcasts, you know, are already aware of this. But you know, at MMT, we really unless you're on the technical staff you really do what you do for the love of it because yeah, it is unpaid totally yeah totally so you have to so it's a, it's a, it's a skill to be able
1: to and I, I feel I learned this skill I'm very happy about it it's noticing an opportunity yeah for a win-win mm-hmm. and then putting an offer right yeah so okay if I'm doing a comedy like like, like this for instance so yeah. the way I ended up here this time yeah. was because I was doing a, a college conference in Pennsylvania mm. I was in the area yeah great <laughs> I want to see Eric. I want to see my new friends that I made. I'm already in the area. What can we do? Great. I'll run a comedy workshop and I'll do a comedy show for these guys. Yeah. And then we can actually, it'll give me an opportunity to do something. Yeah. MMT wanted to do something cool, right? Mm. Uh, And they wanted to offer something for the community. Mm. And, you know, I get to see my friends. So it's like kind of like always being on the lookout for for a win-win opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. And I really like... I think that is how I'm able to create kind of jobs.
0: Yeah. Well, and let's, let's turn that into a, a plug of sorts. You know, you're talking about a, a win-win opportunity. Talk about the Yay Foundation. Talk about, you know, what the idea was behind that and, and kind of what the work that you do with that is. Okay. What? So,
1: like I said, I was a homeless 19-year-old HIV-positive kid. And then I was kind of rescued by this mentorship, and I did learn a lot from yeah. that mentorship. Emotionally, I was not really connected. Mm-hmm. And at age 33, I was actually widowed. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you know this. No. Oh, okay. didn't know that. I was yeah. with a guy for five yeah. years, and yeah. I was so very much in love with him, and then he passed away. Yeah. Okay? Um, he got cancer. And at that point, my life was like... I, I became... I was I was suicidal. I was ready to go. I didn't want to be here. And I stopped caring about anything. I was like, I don't care about success. I don't care about show business. I don't. I stopped caring about anything. Yeah. And it reached the point where I was like, I have to figure out how to be happier, or, or I'm gonna die. Yeah. So I decided, at that point, I was like, okay, do it or don't. Are you gonna Are you gonna go or are you gonna stay? Yeah. And I said I'm gonna stay, but I can't stay feeling this bad. So I was like. Right. I'm going to pour all of my energy into figuring out how to be happy. Yeah. So when I started doing that, I, know, I noticed that I really didn't know much about my emotions at all. Mm. It was like, I don't know what emotional wellness is. I don't know what happiness is. I don't know what... I, 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 there was very limited knowledge of yeah. how to be happy. Mm. Uh, I knew how to get things, but I didn't know how to be happy. Right. And so I started coming up with tools and... Learning principles on how to be happier, and after a few months of this, my mentor, my business mentor, yeah. Inet Morton, noticed, and she said, "What's wrong? What, what, you, you're very different." Mm. And I said, "Well, I'm I'm working on putting placing my happiness as a priority as an end goal, yeah. and I'm trying to apply these tools. Yeah. The tools that I learned from the empowerment, and I apply to an emotional result." She said, "You should write a book." I wrote a book. Margaret Cho wrote the foreword for me. Mm-hmm. And it became a bestseller. Yeah. Then organizations started hiring me to do like, you know, wellness workshops, yeah. and I used comedy as a tool to do that. Sure. Now the Yay Foundation started because there was a kid I was mentoring in Montana, mm-hmm. and his. And I, I went up to Montana a few times, and I was you know I wanted to help him build the business of comedy. He had me come and headline Montana. Yeah. And then he killed himself. And so there was a real need for mental well-being yeah. in Montana. After that, every year, we would go up and do, once a year, in memory of Vincent Carr, a comedy show. <sighs> and we were donating to, like, suicide prevention.
0: Yeah.
1: But, they, but I was giving them services. I was like do, running workshops and doing all this. So the girlfriend said, I, this is long. I'm sorry. No, it's, it's fine. It's the fine. girlfriend said, why don't we start our own foundation where we can go and help people? And, yeah. and so she raised the money and handed me like $2,500. Mm. Said, like, Oh, this is the administration fee that requires here. Here you go. Mm-hmm. So I launched it. I got my 501 C three. Yeah. And so now I go and do build curriculum. So I'm working with uh, Alicia Keys' charity, the Keep mm. a Child Alive. Mm-hmm. And so I'm ter- working with kids who have HIV in Durban, South Africa, they look, live in shacks. Mm. How do you bring a sense of empowerment and, and confidence to these people? Right. So I'm, what, I, what I do is I try to use whatever I learned, because I have a lot of training in like, the empowerment end. Yeah. And my knowledge of emotional wellness and create tangible solutions for improved thinking and mindset. So that's kind of what I do.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, yeah. So that's kind of the foundation. And uh, I, I'm super happy to be able to. I, I like to align everything I do to that. Yeah. Like, in, if I'm teaching comedy to people, hopefully, like. There were some kids in there. Hopefully, like, you know, everybody walks away feeling a little more confident, feeling Mm -hmm. a little more freedom of themselves. And uh, that's what I hope to advocate. That's what I hope to advocate in the world. So that's it.
0: (laughs) Aiden Park was part of the cast that won the Best Ensemble Mountie Award for MMT's 2022 run of The Producers, although he remains currently based in California. Information on how to order Aiden's memoir, The Art of Being Yay, as well as the background and mission of the Yay Foundation and all other kinds of details about Aiden's life and work, can be found at theartofbeingyay.com. I'm Patrick Lavery, and you've been listening to another episode of Just Upstage of Downtown, the Music Mountain Theater podcast. To be continued.